Kunjabihari Jai Radha Madhava Kunjabihari Door, door, yeah, close it. Jai Gopi Janabalaba Girivaradhari Jai Gopi Janabalaba Girivaradhari Jashodana Andana Brajajana Ranjana Jashodana Andana Brajajana Ranjana Jamunati Ravanachari Jamunati Ravanachari Jayorada Madhava Kunjabihari Jayorada Madhava Punjabihari Jaya Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Vasadi Gaurabhakta Vrinda Jaya Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Vasadigora Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare.
Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Jaya Jaya Prabhupada 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 Jaya Prabhupada Jaya Jaya Prabhupada 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 Jaya Prabhupada Jamishapad, Brahman, Saparajakatari, as told us at the Sri Srimad, Abhachanar, the Bakuya Dan, the Sami Sharabopa, the key. Jamishapad, Brahman, Saparajakatari, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So you're reading from Srimad Bhagavatam? Canto 7, Chapter 4, titled Hiranyakashipu Terrorizes the Universe. We're reading verse 15. And we'll read a few more verses after that until 17th. Saeva Varnashrami Bi Kratubir Buridakshinai Ejamano Havir Bhagan Agrahitsve Natejasa Saeva Varnashrami Bi Kratu Bir Puri Badakshine Ejamano Havir Bhagan Agrahitsve Natejasa Saeva Varna Shrami Bi Kratu Bir Puri Dakshinai Ejamano Havir Bhagan Agrahit Svenatejasa
Word word translation. Saha. He Hiranyakashipu. Eva. Indeed. Varnashrami B. By persons who strictly followed the regulative principles of the four varnas and four ashramas. Kratubihi. By ritualistic ceremonies. Buri. Abundant. Dakshine, offered with gifts. Ijamana, being worshipped. Havi Bhagan, the portions of the oblations. Agrahit, asserted. Svena, by his own. Tejasa, prowess. Translation by Stephen Grace, S.E. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Shri Prabhupada. Being worshipped by sacrifices offered with great gifts by those who strictly followed the principles of Varna and Ashrama, Hiranyakashipu, instead of offering shares of the oblations to the demigods, accepted them himself. Verse 16, translation. As if in fear of Hiranyakashipu, the planet Earth, which consists of seven islands, delivered food grains without being plowed. Thus, it resembled cows like the Surabi of the spiritual world, or the Kamadugha of heaven. The earth yielded sufficient food grains, the cows supplied abundant milk, the out and outer space was beautifully decorated with wonderful phenomena. 17. By the flowing of their waves, the various oceans of the universe, along with the tributaries, the rivers, which are compared to their wives, supplied various kinds of gems and jewels for Hiranyakashipu's use. These oceans were the oceans of salt water, sugarcane juice, wine, clarified butter, milk, yogurt, and sweet water. Purport. The water of the seas and oceans of this planet, of which we have experience, are salty, but other planets within the universe contain oceans of sugarcane juice, liquor, ghee, milk, and sweet water. The rivers are figuratively described as wives of the oceans and seas because they glide down to the oceans and seas as tributaries. like the wives attached to their husbands. Modern scientists attempt ex excursions to other planets, but they have no information of how many different types of oceans and seas there are within the universe. According to their experience, the moon is full of dust, 
But this does not explain how it gives us soothing rays from a distance of millions of miles. As far as we are concerned, we follow the authority of the Vyasadeva and Shukadeva Goswami, who have described the universal situation according to the Vedic literature. These authorities differ from modern scientists who conclude from their imperfect sensual experience that only this planet is inhabited by living beings, whereas the other planets are all vacant or full of dust. Om Jnana Timirandasya Jnana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurve Nama Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Srivasadi Gaur Bhaktavrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna. Okay, so. <clears throat> so, we are continuing with our pastime of Hiranyakashipu's ruling, and uh, now that he has received the benediction, he's enjoying the fruits of all his hard work that he's put in so far. So he's getting the benediction, he has got the benediction, and he's practically become the most powerful within the universe, uh, other than Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva, as Maharaj was explaining yesterday. And, um, and part of that is now he's is uh, bent upon enjoying the entire universe to the max. And so you can see how people are following the Dharma and they're offering the various, uh, they're doing various offerings and, and that he's not even having to share them with the demigods, he's just able to enjoy them all by himself. Um, and um, in continuation to that, we're seeing so now, so the, now the current purport, so we'll focus on the purport that Prabhupada has given to this verse, uh, 17. <clears throat> and that's uh, interesting because it's about talking about the oceans of uh, not just salt water, but also the ocean of sugarcane juice, wine, clarified butter, milk, yogurt, sweet water. And... Um, and that's something that's beyond the comprehension of the modern science and, uh, and our own sensory perception. And so, yeah, I, so part of my preparation of the lecture is that I, I was listening to, not listening to, but I was reading my notes on a lecture that Gopavandishpa gave on 18th of October, 2021. So if you're listening to this online, we recommend listening to this lecture <laughs> by Gopavandish Prabhu. That's the, that's the, that was a real amazing lecture. And here is Prabhu there. <laughs> so, 
because Prabhu mentioned about the comparison between the modern science and uh, and the and the faults therein, and uh, Prabhu. With your kind permission, I'm just going to use some of your points of one of the lectures that you gave <laughs> a while ago, actually. Um, and uh, yeah, so because it's talking about the, the, the modern science and how a lot of what's explained in the Bhagavatam is actually um, beyond the modern science. And so here Prabhupada explains how the modern scientists attempt, attempt the excursions on other planets and, and when they end up landing in the moon, the only thing they found is some dust. And, um, and that was it. <laughs> and uh, of course, we understand that there's more than just the dust in moon. Uh, <clears throat> so, it's interesting on the part of the researchers because um, in, in, in the research to the cosmology, they are sort of dumbfound because of the faults that they have and something that all of us have, all the living entities have, is all the four faults. Is that, you know, we have imperfect senses, we commit mistakes, we get illusion and we have the propensity to cheat. Um, we read that from the Ishopanishad. So, all these faults, um, because of that, there is a lot that we don't understand and a lot that we don't experience or perceive. Um, and so therefore, um, we miss out on a lot of knowledge that exists beyond uh, our sensory perception. Now, it's interesting because the modern science is learning. So, so I was just looking up on the internet and, and uh, here's like sort of like the most precise definition that I could find. And it's talking about how the modern science is about um, is learning through observation, experimentation, and evidence. And uh, and whatever you learn, it should be repeatable. And uh, and so based on their understanding, their analysis, their reasoning, uh, they interpret, and then they come up with a like a conclusion, like a theory, like a what they call the knowledge. <clears throat> and, uh, and so that's, that theory, that conclusion has many limitations. Now, a lot of time people say that that you devotees are just the blind followers of the scriptures. A lot of time it can happen that, that modern people of the modern age can be blind followers of the modern science. Uh, because actually the modern science does have limitations. Those limitations are that, and, and be, um, yeah, so the, 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 the limitations uh, the modern science has is that, over, is the, one, of the, one of the limitations is that there is over-reliance on the sensory perception. <clears throat> so, but our senses are so limited, and there's only so much that we can actually see or perceive. And uh, there's a very amazing example that uh, Devamrita Maharaj gave once in one of his lectures, and he was mentioning how the Himalaya, as we understand now, has a height of about 7.2 kilometers, which comes to about, um, 
I wrote it down. Some four, four point something miles. Um, so it's not really much. But according to the Bhagavatam, um, the height of Himalayas is about 80,000 kilometers, something like that. So oh, 80,000 miles, sorry. So the modern science is about like 4.5 miles. Not, not, not quite, like almost there. But this is like 80,000 miles in height. So where did the rest of the Himalaya go? <laughs> Why did they not see that? So actually, <clears throat> uh, the, the, the senses, that when we rely on our, our, our material senses, there's only so much that we can perceive. It's actually a lot of our, our um, knowledge is restricted um, because it is in... Um, I wrote down in the note here and somehow it's gone missing thanks to the technology. Now, now here, it's, uh, so in the, in the Bhagavad Gita, in the first chapter, in the 15th verse, it is a nice um, explanation that Prabhupada gives. And it says, the Lord situated in the hearts of all living entities directs their senses, but he directs them in terms of the surrender of the living entity and in the case of pure devotee, he directly controls the senses. In explanation to the one of Krishna's names, Rishi Kesha, that is the master of the senses. And so his Prabhupada is explaining that actually the Lord only reveals according to the surrender of the person. So a person who is materialist, who is hell-bent upon proving how there is no God and how there is nothing higher than what we perceive through our senses, then the super soul within the heart sort of you know, blocks out more than a certain amount of knowledge and then what they perceive is just very little bit of what all that exists. <clears throat> and so in that way, the, the, the knowledge that one is going to receive is going to be very limited. Um, and so that, that's, that's the situation of the, of, of, or that's the limitation, one of the limitation of the modern sciences that they're not really actually able to perceive the entire uh, phenomena. Um, and, of course, the reliance on the, on the tools that they have developed. Again, that's developed through the limited senses and knowledge. And, uh, and again, that has limitation too. I was, um, I was talking to one of, the, one, of, one of our attendees at one of our Western Outreach Center. And um, he was, he's a scientist, he's a researcher, and he's researching in, into um, um, he, he explained the term, which is basically about the viruses and, and, uh, and, and the, how body responds, etc. Excuse my mind. Um, but he was explaining that he, he's working with these with this microscope, which is the size of like this room, and it's like it's like you know like really like zooming into the the cells and seeing how the cells work, and uh, and so he's trying to see that and he's trying to analyze that and he's trying to understand based on that how the viruses work and how the body responds to it, 
And one of the thing, one of the interesting that that he himself mentioned is that it's actually amazing. It's actually we can't understand how it's working. No, it's just that we can't actually understand how the body itself is working, because the whole you know the, each individual cell is so hard to figure out. Like it's like a universe in itself. It does its own thing, you know. And when we say that this is uh, so, this is what I mentioned, and he agreed to it. He said, "Yeah, like when we say this is our body, and that we are the." we are the control of this body, is actually we have no clue what's happening in the body. Because the body is sort of just looking after itself every time it gets bruised or, or cut, it recovers itself and we don't know how it's working. And so he's a scientist, he's studying in this, researching in this field and he's saying that yes, actually we don't know how it's working. And um, so it's, it's very interesting. So with their tools, even like so sophisticated tools, but they really can't, like, the more they get into it, the more they find out that actually we don't understand how it's working. So <clears throat> there's, the, the, the tools are also, again, limited in how much they can help. Um, and, of course, based on their analysis, their reasoning, their interpretation, um, it's, um, it's very um, limited. To, to understand what is what is the true knowledge because I was I, I liked I liked what uh, Gopandeshpo explained in that class he was mentioning about how there's like this selected evidences so although there are so many evidences that's out there they only select a certain portion of it and then you know they go for that and based on that they come up with a conclusion based on their interpretation and how uh, and they, a lot of times they sort of leave out all the other um, evidences. So that could be because of the imperfect senses or because of the cheating propensity. But in any case, the knowledge that they come up with then is not going to be 100% true. Um, a lot of time also we see that when, when because, you know, after all, Scientists are also humans, and they have we have certain um, conception of what we think is truth. And so, when we are researching, and it happens to us also when we are, like, for example, reading the books, and uh, when we read the books without proper understand, uh, without proper guidance, then a lot of time we just take things which make sense, which we agree to, and we leave out what we don't agree to. Uh, what we don't understand, what doesn't make sense. So we sort of just like reaffirm what we always believed in. And so it happens also with the scientists is that they sort of, it just affirms what they always believe in uh, and leave out quite a lot. There's also the, Prabhu also mentioned about the, uh, the politics in science um, because there's a lot of evidence that often goes f against the research. But then they sort of just deny that that existed. Um, and also no one is allowed to talk about it. You don't talk about what's against the, the modern research and the theories. Um, and um, there's an interesting documentary on that. It's called Expelled, where um, people who do talk about it get blacklisted from their careers, and etc. Uh, etc. Et so <clears throat> it's really, um, it's really, you know, that there is certain evidence, and and that based on that, there's a theory, and that 
you don't talk about what else is out there. You don't talk about knowledge that actually defeats those theories. Um, there's so much of evidence against two of the most uh, accepted or, or, or the uh, theories of the modern times of evolution and the Big Bang. And there's a lot of research and evidence is against it, but the science wouldn't accept it because, um, yeah, it's just, it's just something that's, that's denied uh, the discussion about. And yeah, so Dutta Karma Prabhu has, has a very nice book on this, Michael Fremo Prabhu. And um, so yeah, there's more research in that. And also, of course, there's um, all the modern scientific researches are funded by individuals or corporates, and, and they're not always necessarily um, interested in giving knowledge to the public. A lot of times they have their own personal agendas. And so in that way, the research that comes out is more like the, I liked, I liked how Prabhu explained it, it was very nice. It's about, you know, first you shoot, and then, and then you go next to the mark and you draw the bullseye around it. <laughs> and that's the, that's the, that's like, okay, <laughs> that's the conclusion. What we knew is right now, is <laughs> confirmed now, is that this is, this is a fact. So in that way, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of random data, but then it's analyzed and interpreted and, and theorized. And, um, and in that way, uh, interesting, uh, again, what Prabhu was mentioning, he was saying that in that way, a lot of research actually becomes more of a creative writing than the actual research, <laughs> it's, uh, or, or, or actual theory. So, <clears throat> um, in that way, a lot of modern research or the modern science actually, the modern knowledge actually becomes more of an ignorance than the real knowledge. So, um, as for us, it's very important to understand. We were, we were just studying in Bhakti Shastri in Ishopanishad verse 11 how there's the Vidya and the Avidya. So there's the, there's the knowledge and there's the ignorance. And, it's, uh, and, and in Ishopanishad, how it's explaining that, it explains that one should, a devotee should know the knowledge and ignorance simultaneously. And so that's how we learn. Um, so there's the, there's the knowledge, there's the real knowledge of what we study in the scriptures, but then there's also the ignorance. So we have to also understand how the, the fallacies of the modern research and the science. Otherwise, sometimes when people come and argue with us, we have no real understanding. Um, and and we, we, we are forced to believe in, in what the modern scientists say. So, so then, if, the, if there are the fallacies of the modern research and the way how the research is done, um, then what is the Vedic research? How do we research? Um, is what Prabhupada explains here, that the parampara to the disciplic succession, what uh, Devanath Maharaj says, the parampara technology. That's how we receive our knowledge. <clears throat> and, uh, and actually, it's interesting because Lord, maybe for the people or even for the devotees in their initial stage, they need um, the confirmation of the modern science to believe in what's already there in the scriptures. But as we grow, we want to understand the scriptures um, based on their own authority on the authority of the, of the Acharyas and what they are teaching us. 
Um, and so in that, in that way, um, if we have the tendency to research and understand and, and, and prove it through logic, instead of uh, arguing about whether what's in the scriptures is it true or not, we want to rather employ our, our researching mind into understanding how the scriptural knowledge is actually true. So what's the process then is an, uh, of understanding this, this knowledge of the scriptures is explained in the Bhagavad Gita by Krishna. <clears throat> the process is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what's the verse that Krishna gives? The process to understanding the knowledge. Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita. What's the vidhi? What's the process? Tad vidhi. Pranipatena. <clears throat> so there's a vidhi, there's a process. And the process is Pariprasnana Sevaya Upadekshantite Gyanam Gyanastatodashina. It says that, that the words of vidhi, what's the process? In the chapter 4, verse 34, Krishna is saying, is that you inquire submissively and you serve. And with that, you understand the knowledge from the authorities. Why? Because they have seen the truth. They know the truth. So they can explain. So that's, so, and that's what Prabhupada is explaining here. It's very nice. They know how the modern science cannot explain many things, but as far as we are concerned, we follow the authority of Vyasadeva and Shukadeva Goswami, who have described the universal situation according to the Vedic literature. So that is our way of understanding, is that we understand it from the authorities. Uh, they have seen the truth, and then they can explain that to us. Uh, but then there's a process. So <clears throat> we might expect like how we have done always in our life is that I would open the book, I would read it, I would understand. And, uh, and, and great, next. How all the science is done, you observe, you look at it and you understand. Okay, get it, next. But when it comes to Vedic knowledge, when it comes to understanding the Vedic information, there is a process. And the process is that you can't just read and understand. And so there is, there is um, <clears throat> the process is that we have to inquire from the authorities. And inquire not with a challenging attitude, because obviously they are not obliged to explain to us. They explain out of compassion. But if we are, if we are, inquire, if we are inquiring to challenge, then they may or may not explain. So therefore we inquire submissively um, that please explain to me, how is this so? And we serve the devotees. So, and, and, and actually Prabhu very, very nicely explained in his, Gopanjshu explained nicely in his lecture how um, the knowledge is revealed through one's service attitude. So, so there's a knowledge that comes through parampara and that knowledge is received through a proper oral reception and through a service attitude. Is that one actually understands this knowledge and, um, and then one is able to 
apply that into one's life. Um, and the result of this process, you can see, is actually quite interesting. Um, a lot of time, a lot of, I won't say always, but a lot of time, um, when, when those who are researching according to the, 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 the processes of the modern sciences, actually makes them quite proud and almost arrogant of their knowledge and of their research and their, their abilities. But when, when one understands and actually learns this knowledge through the process given in the Bhagavatam, one actually becomes quite humble. Uh, one actually becomes very kind, one actually becomes very compassionate. So, and all the qualities actually manifest in the person when he follows this process of learning uh, and research. So, <clears throat> in, in that way, by following the authorities and by following this process of learning, um, not only that we learn what's real knowledge, but we also develop the good qualities of a human being and actually become better people. Uh, not just that, but also it helps us become peaceful and it actually makes us happy. Um, a, a lot of this research and a lot of these people who, who you know, if you, if you look at their lifestyles, <laughs> The, the, the scientists and, and you know, Prabhu, Prabhu explains that and, and we have seen that for many of these researchers and the scientists, their lifestyle is actually a chaos. It's a complete mess, you know, the, the, the life is like so much in, uh, the, the, you know, there is so much in ignorance. Of course, because of the um, somewhat of an, you know, have, they have somewhat of an empowerment, they have somewhat of an, an extra intelligence in comparison to what normal people may have in terms of like their ability to analyze and interpret and logically prove things. But overall the lifestyle is a big mess. They have no clue when to sleep, when to get up, what to eat, they have no idea. Whereas for devotees, they're so much more regulated and they're so clean, they're so well presented <laughs> and they're actually quite happy. <laughs> the happy people. So we can see that what the society truly needs is the real knowledge and real people. And, uh, and, and when we follow this process as given by Bhagavatam in terms of how to acquire the true knowledge, when we actually follow this process, that we actually become better people. And, and that's really what we want. Um, <clears throat> So, um, just, just making sure that I didn't miss out on anything. Um, yeah, and so it's, it's interesting because, you know, in the last line of the purport, the Prabhupada is explaining, these authorities differ from modern scientists who conclude from the imperfect sensual experience, experience that only this planet is inhabited by living beings whereas the other planets are all vacant or full of dust. So, of course, when, when in their travels or in their sending all the satellites or sending all these various um, robots in outer space and, 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 and through researching and through checking out, finally, all that they find is actually is this one planet that has life 
and that no other planets have life and that those people who believe in the life outside of this planet they are actually a bit crazy um but it's interesting i was reading this one quote the other day and it was saying that how in future when we might find out or in the future when we do find out that there is life in other planets the people of that age would sort of look back and laugh at us you know oh people of the 2023 they actually didn't even they they thought that there's only life in one planet is it how crazy they must be you know is <laughs> that true uh is that now we are so proud that actually no i know the truth and that there's only life in one planet is that that few people in future would laugh at us thinking that we just believed in life in one planet so um yeah so to con- to conclude um we explained about how the modern science um do have the fallacies in explaining the greater realities outside of of their um their perception um <clears throat> and in that way actually they explain that uh, a lot of the universe is just like a dark matter is meaning is dark is what they don't understand yet um is what 85% 90% how much do they say 97% okay 97% which is definitely more than 97% <laughs> actually but even if it's 97% is is a lot um and um but when we understand through the process of bhagavatam when we actually understand through the process of parampara um then we understand the knowledge 100% uh, and then there's no more darkness there's no more ignorance there's no more illusion um and uh yeah i'll like to finish with that thank you so much for your kind attention and if there is any questions any comments any corrections as that um it's mentions about different oceans here in the purport and uh, interesting that prophet says we have experience of the ocean of salt water so we should understand this some kinds of oceans and uh, they recently they scientists they only study things like dust and stones and rocks and on other planets they say there's an ocean of methane on another planet and, uh, and sulfuric acid on another one and um, on Jupiter or Saturn they say there's an ocean of diamonds and when it rains it rains diamonds and mm. all these things are a bit hard to understand but uh, anyway that's what they think is there are many kinds of oceans in the world so don't see why there shouldn't be an ocean of milk or an ocean <laughs> of the other things and yeah yes anyway so there's many different kinds of oceans and yes yes but i mean and say that they, that's what they measured because they but thing a realization i had recently about scientists they just study like you said that with the senses they they measure what kind of rocks there are on the planet how heavy they they are and what chemicals they're made of and what the atmosphere is they're just studying mass and length and time you know how heavy something is and how fast it's moving and they can't go beyond that into concepts like um love and devotion and personal relationships and uh, so there are actually other people on these other planets but they're living on a higher dimension which mm-hmm. we can't see you know like but um just like god is not just a a piece of rock you know he's not a there was one scientist thought that he was studying subatomic particles and he said if he can see a particle on his on his um, computer and, 
and, and that's God, then he'll believe in God. But God is not a subatomic particle. He's a, he's a person who loves us, with a, living on a much higher dimension than us, which we can't understand. And uh, mm. So when you worship God with love and devotion, then he'll reveal himself to you, and that's completely beyond the jurisdiction of the scientists. That's what Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasvati said, that these spiritual things are actually beyond the jurisdiction of the scientists, because they're only studying things like rocks and how heavy things are, and Maybe they know a bit about that, you know, but uh, mm. so like, um, like I came from a Christian background and uh, the idea was, you know, you pray to, pray to God, with very ni- speak very nicely to him, you know, pray very nicely with love and devotion, not in a rude or arrogant way and he'll respond, you know, so you find that you, you speak to God in a very nice devotional way, he, he responds, so you can see he's there, he's responding to your prayers, but uh, and that's a person, you know, and we're dealing with love and devotion and it's completely beyond the jurisdiction of the material scientists so uh, yeah yeah so that, that, so you know they may um be able to measure how big a rock is or something and and because uh, they spend all day and night studying these things but that's uh, all they know so uh, all they can get from their senses like you said okay, yeah. yes yeah thank you thank you for sharing bro yeah so yeah th- it's it's only so much actually even with the senses there's only so much that we can really know um, yeah, I remember this um, this one devotee who was in Melbourne, um, and he used to always say that the things that we know that we know, the things that we know we don't know, and the things that we don't know that we don't know. So you know, a lot of things that when we try to measure through our senses, you know, if we don't even know that they exist, like there is no way we are going to ever find out about it. So, yeah. Just a comment in terms of sense perception. I think it was mentioned by Dhrita Karma Prabhu. A very interesting point, and uh, Ravindra Prabhu is, you know, quite scientists and scientifically minded people. A very interesting point, they mentioned that no one has actually seen a bacteria or a virus. So, no one has seen so far. So, when we talk about this boy who is doing research, he has this instrument which is of the size of this room and uh, trying to perceive virus, it's not a direct perception. It is a kind of a reflection of a reflection of a reflection of some kind of an image that is formed based on some observation by a device. Even if you see electron microscope, you don't really see uh, the bacteria or a very, very a tiny object. Rather, it's a kind of an image that has been created by certain rays which are actually reflecting upon or whatever technology that is being used. So we can see that how far away we are from even such kind of tiny living entities. It's not so easy. And then based on that, we come up with theory. Similarly, when you talk about subatomic particles, same, no one has seen. And whether it's a particle or a wave, that is another question. So, there are a lot of complexities which are attached. And uh, as you mentioned about dark matter, dark, dark energy combined, I think it's about more than 95%. It's unknown, it's accepted that we don't know. 95% of this world, we don't know. So, so much of ignorance is there, but still we conclude that, okay, we know everything. Mm. So that is, as you mentioned, that is the arrogance. Mm. Yeah, so interesting. Thank you. Thank you. 
Oh, that's interesting. I did not know that they. <laughs> that's good, actually. Okay. All right, Krishna, thank you for the class. Um, I've got kind of like a two-fold question. Um, you mentioned earlier that um, we should at least understand some part of this kind of knowledge of how it kind of relates to the modern science, if anyone asks us, so we can actually give them an answer. Um, so just trying to understand, like, in terms of as, like, a, you know, taking the role as a preacher, how much time should we actually invest in actually understanding, you know, the, the viewpoint of the Bhagavatam and our understanding and kind of trying to, you know, translate that into something that other people from who maybe have a, you know, a materialistic rationality or who are kind of atheists, how to convince them? And the second part kind of flows, uh, second question is that, how do we convince them of our authority in our kind of philosophy, like the authorities of the Vedas, the authorities of the Acharyas? Uh, because the way we kind of uh, accept the knowledge is through the faith of our authorities and how we can actually, you know, we're, we're submissively inquiring from them. But then other people outside of the Christian consciousness, they, they might not know yeah, the position of our charis or the or the Vedas or the Bhagavatam. So how should we convince them of that? Okay, so your first question, just to just I repeat, just so I understand this, I understand correct. Um, the first one is how much time do you invest in understanding what other people think? So actually, to be able to represent Krishna consciousness better, is that what you're saying? Uh, no, in in terms of convincing, um, you know, someone who's more materialistically rational or have a you know, rationale like the way they think or yeah. like atheists on how to convince them about our philosophy, about, you know, all the things that they don't know. Right. Um, <clears throat> and the second question is like, how do we convince them? So, so okay, so, so, just to, to, to just focus on the first one. So, um, actually, Prabhupada, in his, in his purports, when we go through the Bhagavatam purports, Prabhupada is quite rational. A lot, actually, Prabhupada is always rational. So, he will... Uh, it's not that we something that we believe in. Um, a lot of what Krishna says, uh, all of what Krishna says, or what Prabhupada says, is actually not something that's sentimental, something that we believe in. So when we explain some of this philosophy um, plainly, um, just of course in their language, in a way, in a language that they can understand, in the terminology that they can understand. But if we just present the philosophy as it is, actually the rational-minded people, actually those who are rational, those who uh, are intelligent, get it. Um, so even, even something simple as, you know, from boyhood to youth to old age, the body is changing and the, the, the self remains the same and this uh, self continues after this life. And it's rational, that makes sense. And I was, I was speaking to this, um, this, this boy, the, the scientist, who, who, do happen to, who did happen to come to our program and I was discussing with him and he was, how he was explaining that each cell is like working in, in, in ways. And so I was asking him that is, if, if it's not you consciously doing it, then who is doing it? Where is it coming from? And, and he, was, he, he thought about it and he, he, he couldn't really come up with anything, like any proper answer. Like, so, so, you know, it, it's, most of the philosophy here, our explanations here, is, is very rational. So, um, if we, that's why Prabhupada wanted us to be very fluent in the scriptures. Um, as he has given them, and just by being fluent in that, we can actually explain to any person from any background. Um, we just have, that's why Prabhupada, like we have this um, interesting book, Beyond Illusion and Doubt, 
where Prabhupada is defeating all the Western philosophers and philosoph the philosophy. And, and sometimes people would say, they would come and ask, but what about Plato? And Prabhupada would say, what's his philosophy? And whatever the philosophy they propose, and if he says that, yeah, there is birth after this one life, then Prabhupada says, yeah, that's true, you know, because this body is changing, and then after this life, this another life, makes sense. But then they would say something else, and then you say, hey, that, that's not correct, because it doesn't make sense. And then Prabhupada will justify that according to the Vedas. But he did not, he did not necessarily know, or he did not have to know what else is out there. But because he knew the Bhagavatam and, and, and Bhagavad Gita in and out, he could actually understand and explain anything. Um, but otherwise, studying them is just a, a lot of ignorance, you know. So sometimes we might hear, hear certain things, very limited, if something is really trending and if you want to explain to the people who are just to be, if you, if you just want to be in touch with what's going on, we can do a little bit of research, but we don't want to waste too much of time. Our main meal is, is the study of the scriptures. And for those people who don't understand in the authority uh, of the scriptures or the acharyas, um, of course we don't present the philosophy to them saying that, oh, but because it comes from Bhagavad Gita, we have to, we have to accept this. We don't present as, a, as an, you know, when we are trying to outreach and we are trying to share this knowledge. We don't tell them that, oh, because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said that, because Madhvacharya said that. That's not how we present it. Because it says in the Bhagavatam, therefore we believe this is true. No, that's not how we explain that. We explain that it makes sense. The body is changing. You know, and, uh, and like, we don't necessarily have to go out of our way to prove to people that Himalaya is 80,000 miles. Like, that's not required. We can, as, as a first point, we can always introduce to them how we are not the body but the spirit soul. And, and that's, uh, that's enough to start with. And once they understand that, they can naturally see how the scriptures actually explain that so clearly. And so naturally they develop some faith on it. And as they study more, they will develop faith in it too. Is that okay? Yeah. Anything else? Yes, Will? It seems the main um, advantage of the... Um Vedic, Vedic scriptures. It's personal. It's explaining, you know, Krishna is everywhere. There's a people behind all these things, and uh, that's how we how we benefit. The, uh, scientists will just say there's a mountain and made of rock, and, but there are, are people involved. There demigods and and Krishna. Yeah, and there's a lot more. That, that's that's the, that's the bit whole part that scientists miss, and that's why we need to present the uh, Vedas, Vedic view much yes. more strongly and. Uh, Yes, of English. course. So it's 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 again it's um, it's uh, working with many dimensions yes. and working with different realities. Yes. If, even if maybe the uh, this a bit, probably you might not like this, but even if some of the cosmology is a little bit out of date, like the measurement of the height is slightly wrong, that's not really important. What is important is the personal view of it. This God-centered world, not not just a centered world with planets and things. You know. Yeah. 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 Good. Thank you. Okay. Grantarachimad Bhagavatam ki jai. Shabhapad ki jai.